0: You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed episode 280. Hi there rockstar and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm your host Christina Canters. I help professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. This is my second last official episode before I go on maternity leave in October. Very exciting and scary. This will be my first major break from the podcast since this since the show began in March 2015. Can you believe it? it is It is a bit scary actually to be breaking something as in like breaking like a habit that I've been committed to for so long. but of course, I've made the conscious decision to focus on family and being mum for a while. Uh, Just so you know, I've had a very big week, so my voice is getting a little, it's kind of losing my voice (laughs) a little bit, so I apologize for the croakiness. Now, I am planning to relaunch the podcast with brand new episodes in January 2021, so make sure you subscribe to this show in your podcast app, if you haven't yet already, so you don't miss those new episodes, and also any announcements or maybe a special bonus episode that might come up before then, so make sure you subscribe. Today, in this episode, I'm sharing with you what I've learned from difficult business clients and how this applies to you, whether you're a business owner or an employed professional. So you don't have to be a business owner for this to be relevant for you. Oftentimes, I'm sharing this because oftentimes people in business don't like to talk about their mistakes or where they've failed or, you know, quote, failed. But I always find it really fascinating, which is why I'm sharing these with you today. And hopefully as a result, you can avoid making the same mistakes or at the very least be more aware of them when they do happen. Because let's face it, we can't avoid making mistakes or having, you know, little failures in life. So I'm going to share with you five lessons today. To give you some context up front, for those of you who don't know, I run two businesses. So the C method is my communication skills training and coaching business, which is Part of this podcast, and I refer to it in this podcast quite a lot, where I coach professionals and business leaders to uh, develop strong public speaking, communication, and leadership skills. And I also am the CEO of Podcast Services Australia, which is a podcast development and training company that I founded with my husband, Aaron Heath. So they're very different businesses. Uh, We work with a lot of big organizations and government clients with Podcast Services Australia. And these, I'll be sharing some client stories from Podcast Services Australia with you today. I want to be completely honest. I love all my C-Method clients and I honestly don't have a bad client story to tell you for the C-Method. I've been very, very fortunate and I just love all my clients. I've had maybe one Client, I would consider to be difficult over the years, but um, that's about it. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But with podcast services Australia, we've definitely encountered some clients and even prospects. You know, people who didn't become clients, but dealing with them in that whole process, the quoting process was, let's say, a little bit painful. But from that, we we've, we've learned a lot. So the stories I'll be sharing with you today and referencing are clients to do with um, clients from Podcast Services Australia. So we had one specific client slash prospect recently that we had a very long and drawn out experience with, and I'm going to call them Client A, Client A. So Client A is a huge multinational tech company. They're based overseas and they reached out to us to help them create a podcast. And at the start, we were so excited. We thought, wow, this huge company, we're talking a billion dollar company here, more than a billion dollars a year in revenue. We thought they want to work with us. That's amazing. So we did what we would normally do. We quoted them, we got on the phone with them, had a chat about what it is that they wanted, how we could help them, and all seemed to be going really well. We sent them a quote and then they got back to us with, about 10 or 15 questions. And we thought, you know what, they're a big company. They want to cross every T, is that the phrase? Cross every T, dot every I. They want to know all the details. So we diligently answered all their questions, sent it back to them. And then they would send back another list of 10 questions. And then we would diligently answer answer them. And then we'd think, okay, maybe let's get on the phone with them and have a chat because maybe it's easier to, to chat with them over the phone. So we did that. And then they went away and came back and then asked us to re-quote for a different scope. Now at this point, I'm starting to think, okay, this client, a little bit of hard work. A little bit of hard work. You know, normally we don't go through, we don't spend this much, this amount of time, this much time, simply getting clear on the scope and and agreeing on a on a proposal. But we kept telling ourselves, no, no they're a big client. It'd be great to work with them. Let's let's just go through with it. Let's just keep going. So we requoted, And then of course they had more requests on top of that. They wanted us to bring on video editors. So we had meetings with video editors. We had meetings with um, marketing companies. We got them to send client A, their proposals, had more meetings. Meanwhile, there's no agreement on the job just at, at that point in time. It was still very much part of that negotiating process. As this went on and on and on, I noticed myself getting more and more frustrated with client A. And in the last two episodes of this episode, sorry, in the last two episodes of this podcast, we've been talking about emotional intelligence and how to be more aware of how you react. And I certainly noticed my blood starting to boil a little bit. I thought, man, this is taking a long time. They are really starting to test us here. But we started, we, we continued to rationalize and saying, no, they're a huge client. They'd be great to work with. This is the way they do business. Let's just get on with it. So finally, we got them to agree to a scope. And then the next step, and we, and we thought, oh, fantastic. We've got the job. Yay. Then the next step was to go through the procurement process, which is where you get set up on their system as a supplier so that they can pay you. And that, if you've ever done that before with a large company, that was one of the most painful processes I've ever had to go through. Countless emails, countless uploading of documents, then correspondence back from them saying, this hasn't been done properly. We also need this. We also need that. Meanwhile, I'm trying to navigate a really clunky, difficult system. I'm spending hours and hours just trying to get registered on their system. Meanwhile, I am getting furious thinking we have done so much work already. Like it felt like a job. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but I mean, obviously they hadn't paid us a cent yet. And we hadn't even started on the job and I was already feeling so frustrated and annoyed and and like it just wasn't worth my time. But of course, I, we started to think to ourselves, well, we thought to ourselves, we've come this far, you know, you're not going to pull the pin now, we've almost got the job, let's go through with it, let's do it. Not to mention that the procurement team then tried to negotiate us down on price again even though we'd already agreed to one with the initial com- in the initial conversations with the client so there was a lot of these things going on where i just thought to myself this is this doesn't seem right to me this is not the way that i like to do business anyway fast forward we get the job we get through the procurement process which by the way they say to us we're not going to pay you for 90 days and we thought okay standard procedure for a large business can't say much about it that's fine It's not really fine, but we had to go along with it. And then we start the job and we go through the initial strategy session. And then what I find is that there has been a huge misunderstanding about the sort of company that we are. We were halfway through our second strategy session when client A says to us, oh, we thought you were a tech company. And we said, excuse me, we're a podcasting company and they said, no, well, we hired you because we thought you were a tech company because we're a tech company and we wanted a company who understood these, you know, these, these, the content around tech because the podcast was based around some very specific in-depth, um, you know, topics around, around tech, which we had no idea about, but that's not what we usually pitch ourselves as because we're not a tech company. And in the meeting, they said, "No, we thought isn't podcasting tech." And we said, "Well, we do the, we do the tech behind the podcast, but that's about all we know. <laughs> that's the only tech that we really know about. Um, that's that, that's it. We're not. We never pitched ourselves as a tech company." And client A said to us, "Well, I am losing some confidence now because that's we thought that you were. We thought you were a tech company. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to think about this." And then we hung up the call. Now, at that point, and honestly, there was more to it than that. There were other things that had happened that had really riled me up as well. But at that point, I turned to Aaron and I said, please, God, let them fire us from this job. And Aaron just looked at me and I said, can we fire them? And he said, no, we can't because they're such a huge company. We've signed a contract with them. We, We just can't. And so I prayed to the universe, to God, to the spirit, to whoever was listening, please, I do not want to work with this client anymore. And I thought to myself, I do not want to, I don't care how much work we've already done and how many months we've spent trying to get this client or bring, you know, to work with this client. I don't want to anymore. I don't need this anymore. The very next day, We got an email from the client to say, dear Christina and Aaron, so we are concerned that you are not a tech company. We thought that was your area of expertise, but clearly not. We've decided to pull the pin on the project. And I literally leaped out of my seat with joy. (laughs) I was so excited. I said, yes. The universe listened and they have fired us. And I can honestly say I've never been so happy to be fired by a client. As difficult as this experience was, I always like to think of difficult situations and experiences that life throws at you. I always like to think of it as an opportunity to learn because what else are you going to get from it? right i also thought i could get a great podcast out of this <laughs> it was another bonus but i thought what okay what can i learn from this and i started to reflect on it and i realized a number of things that i want to share with you today the first thing i want to share with you and this is i'd say the most important is to trust in your intuition even from very early on in our early correspondence with this client i had this feeling like this intuitive feeling that they were not a client I wanted to work with. I just thought, oh, that just doesn't seem right. I don't like the way they're doing business. I don't like the the way we're we're having to go about this. However, it's so interesting. Your rational brain tries to reason and make sense of it with logic. So even though intern even though in my heart or in my gut I was feeling that this was not right, my head was saying oh, but they're such a big client. They'd be great to have, you know, on your client list. Imagine being able to say that you worked with this client, you know, and then also I was thinking, oh, but you know, they would let Aaron down, you know, Aaron wants to work with them. So if you say that you don't want to work with them, they would let Aaron down. So my my mind was telling me all of these things to rationalize why I should go ahead, even though in my gut, I knew that it wasn't quite right. And as the time progressed. And as things gradually, well, as things started to happen, you know, more things started to happen where, and that, that intuitive feeling of this isn't working, this isn't working. I don't want to work with these people. As that got stronger and stronger, I still ignored it and continued to rationalize it with my, with my brain. And I'm sure you've experienced this before where maybe you've been in a bad relationship or a bad job you know, maybe your workplace was toxic and you knew deep down that oh, it's just not right. But then your brain, your mind just tells you, no, 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 but listen to what they're saying. They said that they could change. They said that a promotion's just around the corner. They said that it's just the way they operate and things will get better. Uh huh. And it never does, right? I share more about this in episode 170, where um, I share the story of how I ended a a seven-year relationship and how that really taught me how to trust my intuition and to be more aware of it. And so, I mean, obviously it didn't really work (laughs) in this situation with client A, but it was another really powerful reminder of how important it is to listen to your intuition. Honestly, your gut is always right. The second thing I want to share with you, the second lesson is that no business is better than bad business. My dad and his dad, so my grandfather, well, my grandfather was a serial entrepreneur. I didn't get to know him very much. I was only about five years old when he passed away, but he and my dad ran a wood turning business for decades, many, many decades. And my dad was telling me stories about my grandfather the other day. And he said to me, you know, your grandfather always said, no business is better than bad business. Yes, you may not be making any money with no business, but at least you then, if you have no business, right, if you have no business, you have the time to then go out and find some good business. Ross. if you're dealing with bad business and having a really difficult time of it, you're desperately unhappy and you're stuck with that bad client and you don't know, and you have no time to go out and find a good client. I started to think to myself, you know, so my rational brain was saying, oh, but they're paying you all this money. And by the end of it, I was like, I don't care. I'd rather not have the money. To be honest, I would rather not have the money and then not have this stress. Also the fact that I'm coming to the end of my pregnancy, I thought, I don't, I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm supposed to be wrapping up. I don't want to have to deal with this added stress. And I realized I'd rather not even have the money. I don't even care about the money anymore. It's just not worth it. And I've seen this happen with people, you know, when you go for a promotion or you get prom- um, tempted to take on a different job and a different company because of the money. And then you realize that it's the extra money. It just means added stress or added things you don't really want, it's just not worth it. One of my favorite speeches is by Neil Gaiman, who is a really well-known author of um novels and and graphic novels, comic books. And his commencement he does this amazing commencement speech which I'll link up in the show notes which I just love. And he one of the things that he said was Nothing I did where the only reason for doing it was the money was ever worth it, except as a bitter experience. I'll say that again because there are a lot of words there. Nothing I did where the only reason for doing it was the money was ever worth it, except as bitter experience. So in his commencement speech, he talks a lot about, you know, doing work that you love and making good art. And, you know, one of those things is don't just just take on a job for the money because it's not worth it. The third lesson is to know your values and to stick to them. You know, I'm a communications specialist. I, for me, communication is a huge value of mine. We really pride ourselves on being upfront in our communication and being really clear and honest with our clients. And um, it reminds me of another client or prospect that we had, who had agreed to a scope. They agreed to our proposal. And then they said, "Let's get started with our first strategy meeting." So we got started in the strategy meeting, and and they were talking as if we were already working together. And then at the end of the strategy meeting, they then said, "Oh, and by the way, your quote's a bit high, can we can we renegotiate?" And to me, that was not that that was not upfront communication. I thought you have not been honest with us. You should have told us upfront that the quote was out of your budget and you wanted to negotiate before we actually got started, you know, in, in the actual work. Of course, I'm not saying it's their fault completely. We made an assumption that they were good to go, but still they were not upfront with that. And as a result of that, I said to Aaron, I do not want to work with this company. I just don't. So this is different. This is not the same company as client A. This is, let's call them client B. So this is client B. And even though they only wanted a slight discount, to me, it went against my values. It went against my value of strong upfront communication. And what that also communicated to me was that if they were not upfront about this right now at the start of this job, what are they going to be like to work with down the track? There's another great quote. I can't, I think it was Derek Sivers who said, what was it? Seth, Seth um, Godin. I'll have to find it for you and put it in the show notes who said, how you do anything is how you do everything. So for example, if you um, are lazy with, I don't know, if you're unkempt and you don't take care of your you know, physical appearance and you show up to a client meeting like that, it's an indication that that's how you will perform on the job, that you are going to be sloppy and, you know, late or whatever on the job. So, this to me, you know, working with these clients at the very start, if they show these signs of, you know, not communicating well or not being upfront, not being open and honest, then to me that indicates that that's what they're going to potentially be like for the rest of the job. And that is not something that I wanted to deal with. So even though we didn't with this with this client B, even though we didn't, they didn't really want a, like a lot of a discount. So we weren't really losing out too much in terms of, you know, what they were paying us. The whole principle behind it just didn't agree with me. And I said to them, I said to Aaron, I don't want to work with them. So we didn't move ahead. Number four is to be aware of cultural differences. So this is something that I, this was a great lesson for me or for us because we had never worked. So with client A, they were based overseas and we'd never worked with a, a company of this size who were based in this particular part of the world. And we treated them just like any other client that we would work with. The same process, you know, we made this, you know, we communicated the same. And after it all went down, I remember speaking to a friend of mine, Mel, who she was actually on the podcast the other week. And she said to me, oh, Christina, you know, I know people who've worked with companies from this particular part of the world. And she went on to explain how she said they there's a very specific way in how they do business. This doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, one plus one does not necessarily equal two, and you need to be aware of that. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. I never even considered that. So I'm not saying that the miscommunication was all the fault of client A. Right, we because communication is always two way. All right, I'm not saying oh no, everything was wrong with them. It was not because we had not taken into consideration that, that the cultural differences, and we simply had not had experience with dealing with companies from this particular part of the world. And so this is a this was a huge you know learning opportunity for us. And now if I was to work with another company from that part of the world, I would seek out someone else who had also done who'd had experience in that area and ask them, you know, what are the protocols? How do they normally work? What do we look out for? And I'm sure if we'd done that beforehand, we, it would have helped us a lot with client A. So that is something that, you know, I take full responsibility for. We simply weren't aware of the cultural differences and I will endeavor to do that next time. And it's the same in your workplace. If you're working with people or working in a company that, that, you know, is a different culture to yours, then to be aware of that, that not everyone communicates the same or has the same definitions of words or, you know, just because they say one thing, it might mean another and that's okay because that's just the way they communicate. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of really, um, you know, great lessons here. Oh, and the final thing I want to share with you today is, how important it is to learn from your mistakes. So I treated this whole experience as a learning experience. Like I said at the start, you know, if if I was just to take this as a failure or a bad experience, a bitter experience, then it's not really helping me. It's not very constructive. So I encourage you, if you do have a, let's say, I don't want to say bad experience, you know, it's a quote, quote, um, difficult experience with or a challenging experience with a client or a colleague, or in a relationship, or whatever it is, family member, take a step back and reflect and go, okay, this happened. How did I react? What could I have done better? And what have I learned from this? And that's going to help you from making the same mistakes again, and you'll be in a much more informed position to take action and handle yourself better next time. So those were some of the things I wanted to share with you around this very, I'm going to say interesting experience we had with this client. And I must say, I'm very happy now. It's very nice to be back working with the clients that we love. And, oh, I forgot to mention this. Yes. It also, the whole experience, this is bonus one for you. It made me so grateful for all the wonderful clients that we do work with. We, I'm just going to say that at Like I said, with my C method clients, I love all of them, love them, love them. They are the best. And with our podcast services, Australia clients, they are also the best and we love them to bits as well. And we get to work with amazing clients because we set clear boundaries and we know what our values are and we make sure that we work only with clients that we, that, that who resonate with us and we resonate with them and we really believe in what they're doing and vice versa. You know, so there's a lot to be said about getting clear on, you know, who it is you want to work with, what, what you believe in, what your values are, what your boundaries are, what you put up with, what you don't put up with. And this relates to you, I don't care if you're a business owner, a consultant, an employee professional, a student, whatever it is, if you know exactly, if you know who you are and what you stand for and what your values are, you can then communicate this and draw that line in the sand when, when someone you know, so you encounter someone that just does not work for you, you can say, no, I'm putting my foot down. This is not what I deal with. This is not who I am. And I do not deal with people like you. And that's totally okay. And I'm very proud to say that that is the, the basis by which I run both my businesses. And it's meant that I get to work with amazing people. We get to work with beautiful clients who. Um, you know, it's so fulfilling working with them and helping them to achieve whatever it is that they want. It's just, it's just so fulfilling and it makes, so so having the odd, you know, negative, let's call it experience with a prospect or a client really makes me grateful for all the wonderful um, clients that we do get to work with. So I hope that didn't end up being a little bit ranty, but, you know, as you can hear, I'm very, I feel very strongly about this. I will put links to those resources that I mentioned, the the other podcast and Neil Gaiman's commence, commencement speech in the show notes. It will be at thecmethod.com slash 280. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with a colleague or a friend so that they can also benefit from learning from my mistakes <laughs> as well. All right, Rockstar, thank you for spending some time with me today. I will talk to you next week for the last time before I go on maternity leave. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.